Hi, Taisei. Hey, Alex. Good afternoon. How, how goes it? It goes well. It's Easter. Wow. I love a good long weekend, you know? Wow. You know what? I've noticed every single year, it seems like fewer and fewer people care that it's Easter. Yeah. And I'm, I, that's fine by me. That's fine by me. Um, <laughs> you know, I really, it's Easter Sunday, I guess, today. And I barely even know it. Um, the amount of Easter content I've consumed over the last, uh, over the last, I don't know, 14 hours, I guess. Um, very minimal. Nobody's fucking talking about it. Barely, anybody, I barely even see any happy Easter's. Like, there's no Easter content. Nobody's writing Easter articles or anything like that. Um, and yeah, that this is a, a development, you know, and I, I can't say I'm against it. What do you think? Uh, actually, I, I guess I assume slightly more Easter content than you because uh, my friend Zach, actually, from Musical Without a Cool Acronym, is taking a, a screenwriting course and as an assignment, specifically, I think, like a comedy writing course and they had to write like um some kind of like an episode of a show that already exists so he wrote a, a phineas and ferb easter special which is an idea i think he's had for a while and apparently uh there's some very like pretentious student in the class who's like in his 50s and has worked on shows before who was like i hate to break it to you zach but uh i just looked it up and there's already a phineas and ferb easter special but that wasn't true because it was actually just a book and zach knew that and zach was like no that's the phineas and ferb egg extravaganza that's just a book and he was like are you sure and he was like yes i'm sure so anyway all that okay all that to say is a few friends we did a reading of of zach's uh phineas and ferb easter special two days ago i was like oh yeah i guess it's i guess it's about easter time very nice very nice um didn't we? There was something in high school that we did. Something about the final Easter, right? Oh, what, I wrote a story. No, that was just me. I wrote, me. I wrote, a, right? sto- I wrote yeah. a story, just a short story for no particular reason for the extracurricular called uh, Final Easter 2036. It's, you know, at the pace <laughs> no, it's going. trending. <laughs> at the pace it's going, we are certainly, you know, 13 years is a long time. And yeah. we have seen a rapid decline in, in Easter. <laughs> So, you know, decline in Easter in general. That's right. Uh, so, you know, you might be onto something, you know, like, you know, like every, every on like these network shows, like even like seven years ago, they're like Easter episodes, right? Like, all right, money, egg hunts, all that, the whole bit. Nobody's doing that anymore. There's, there's yeah. no Easter episodes for anything really. <laughs> right. Um, so it's, 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 it's in terms of a holiday, I think it's about, it's going as downhill as you've really seen any other, especially a major one like Easter, where we get like a whole weekend and everything. Um, we are really witnessing the decline of a holiday. Yeah. In the words of Ryan George from YouTube, are we doing chocolate or are we doing resurrection here? Now there's a rabbit involved. What's the rabbit doing here? <laughs> That's right. Um, and, you know, who knows Who knows what the future years will bring? Maybe some additional absurdity just to spice it up. Why not? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is... Yeah, actually, this is yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna transition away from some to something else. <laughs> if you have anything Please. else to say about Easter, do it now. Okay, sure. This is yeah. the Easter special. Just for the record, this is the yeah. fusion Easter special. So we did it. Fusion we're keep we're e- keeping the tradition alive. Huh? Yeah, here we go. Yeah, so since our last episode, actually, uh, back on on Wednesday, there was a big crazy ice storm situation here in Montreal. Um, uh, back in on the West Island, my family I think is still actually out of power. Um, how did how were you dealing with this? Did you have to go outside right in the thick of things? No, I didn't. Actually, lucky enough, I had no class on Wednesday, 
so I didn't actually have to go outside. Um, yeah, it was a mess out here though. You know, like yeah, I lived in a, an area with like trees and shit, and they were like falling all over the place, uh, and just a, a, a weird time. I was personally out of power for about I don't know thirty six hours. It was a rough go, rough go, and then like the internet went out for another like twelve hours afterwards after the power came back. Very weird. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. It was an unfortunate experience. Wouldn't recommend. It was even stranger by the fact that, you know, because we're in the spring, the temperature fluctuates so wildly. Um, so, you know, it was freezing rain. Everything was iced up uh, one day on the Wednesday. And by Thursday, it was like 11 degrees and everything was dry. Not 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 a freaking ice or even water in sight. It's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was that was my experience. I'm glad it's over um, because, you know, the 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 prospect of uh, the in because there were so many outages everywhere. Don't know how you know when the power comes back. Luckily, it came back yesterday for me. Um, but you know, it's uh, it's it's, it's almost a, it's a scary kind of foreign prospect of you don't know how long until the power comes back. And uh, you know, hoping your family out there in the West Island gets it uh, sooner rather than later. Mm, I was uh, lucky on I didn't have to go outside while you know all the rainy stuff was going on. I was I was in class though at a certain point, and we could see you know like the ice flying around, kind of crazy. Um, but I did end up going out later in the night after like the rain had already stopped. Like there were still, you know, like branches down, it was a little slippery. The reason I went out though, um, was because I had already, uh, pre-bought, uh, a ticket to go see the new Super Mario movie, Mario <laughs> Brothers, uh, at the what? Scotiabank Theater. Now On I was thinking, okay. that was the, that was the day it premiered, opening, opening day. Oh shit. Oh, I um, thought it was okay. All right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I had actually... I had not been to a movie theater since June 2019. And even, you know, like before the pandemic and everything, I was never such a big like movie theater goer. Um, and even at, at this time, you know, generally like I'll try to find stuff online or streaming, you know, that's kind of the general trend. But also I've heard many people say that like going to a movie theater by yourself is a great experience. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to give it a try. So I got a ticket for the, the 9.50 p.m. showing of the movie so it was you generally and, people you want to got that shit ahead of time too huh you 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 were this was a yeah an I, undertaking yeah. yeah yeah i bought the ticket online made my whole cineplex account and everything wow got okay. my got my egregiously overpriced ticket went to the theater did not buy any food though so i was like i'm not gonna Respect. i just Respect. yeah don't give in don't cave yeah yeah, yeah I, I it was it was tough i was like oh you know you're gonna have your popcorn but then i'm like uh do i really need popcorn like no um so i sat there you know in the back of the theater watched the movie Back to the theater. Yeah, yeah, way at the back. That's that's my spot. Okay. Mm-hmm. You, you are you like interested in? Yeah, yeah. Uh, are you interested okay. in seeing this movie? Have you done? Do you know any Super Mario things? <laughs> Has this ever been something that like that interested you? No, not particularly. I know nothing, almost nothing about Mario. Actually, a month ago, I downloaded the Super Mario Kart mobile app just because I had nothing mm-hmm. else to do. That was interesting. Um, but uh, I've I've never thought of watching the movie. Um, so yeah. Anyways, if you, if you feel for you know, I, I can't imagine the listeners will be too happy if any of them want to, you know, watch the movie and get it spoiled. But personally, you can spoil it afterwards. Yeah. Um, okay, well, I won't, I, won't, I won't spoil anything for the listeners. I'll say that yeah, I course. think uh, my, my friend Brian, uh, who went to go see it as well, gave a really great review of it. Well, not like an official review or anything, but he basically said, it's about as much fun as I could ever hope to have at a 7 on 10 movie. <laughs> and you echo this review? You, 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 yes. You, you give it a thorough endorsement, yeah? yeah? Yeah, I, I endorse this review exactly right. Okay, all right. So you get so it's seven on ten, uh, but you had fun. 
All yeah, right. that, that's it. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know who who has not been having fun all the time lately is the Calgary Flames. Yeah. That's that's as 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 was it as less fun as you could possibly have while being the ninth place team for yeah. in the <laughs> Yeah. Is, is what I, <laughs> that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly right. So yeah, we have four Calgary Flames games to talk about this week, and they won two of them including the most important one. And they lost the other two, uh, both, I would say, embarrassingly, due mostly to the quality of competition. Last week, eight days ago, I suppose, actually, we were talking about, uh, mostly I actually was talking about Calgary. I think they're going to pass the Jets because they're scheduled. They're playing so many terrible teams. And maybe I didn't pay quite enough attention to the fact that Calgary also is a terrible team. And that that should come into account in my predictions, um, because they played, you know, the last or not the the thirty first place right now. Actually, no, sorry, thirtieth place, Anaheim Ducks. Wow, just, they just had, went on a aren't they on a ten game losing streak and they're still in like thirtieth out of thirty two? Is that am I seeing this correctly? Uh, yeah, they're oh yep. nine and one in their last ten, and they are still wow. ahead of Chicago. Anyway, so Calgary had to come back to beat. The, they had to come back twice uh, to beat the Ducks. Uh, and then they uh, lost to Chicago, who's even worse than the Anaheim Ducks. And they uh, were they on beat... an eight-game losing streak, eh? There should, there yes, Chicago, Chicago had lost eight in a row in regulation, and they they beat the Flames. And then it was, you know, they put together their best performance of the week against the Jets, the team that they are chasing. And then last night against the lowly Vancouver Canucks, Calgary had to come back from two down just to get a loser point. And that loser point was all they got by they falling in the shootout. So Calgary, you know should be fighting for their playoff lives and still looks totally miserable. <laughs> yeah, this is this is just a mystifying team because on paper, the talent's pretty good. It's a, definitely a playoff team. And like even you, you watch them play and it's not like they're actively bad. At least I find, you know, it's like, you know, they generate well, a nice number of shots. You, do you wish they were way more dominant against dog shit teams? Yes. But... I, I don't know something about it. I you know there, you had nice in certain individual performances, and yet the vibes were awful. The vibes were terrible, and it's like they the, for some reason this team is like less than the sum of its parts. Right? It's it's it, that's that's how yeah. I describe it. it's it's strange. Um, but yeah, I and they find ways to lose, which you know uh they did twice this week, and you know they lost all three times against Chicago this week this this year this season. Think about that. They played them thrice, and they've lost all three games. Um, so you know, just just bizarre. Whether I don't know if it's like certain nights they're disengaged, or you know they're looking ahead to the Jets game. But this seems to be some sort of chronic problem because you know they almost lost to the Ducks, and you they almost lost to the Canucks. You know the game before the Ducks, and then they did lose to the Canucks last night. It's just just a very yeah bad vibe team. Yeah. So let's start with this this first game of the week, a 5-4 win over Anaheim, uh, in which they outshot Anaheim almost double, 41-22 to the entire way through. Um, and yet, you know, Markstrom, uh, what was his, his, what wasn't a, oh no, he, no, he didn't actually, he only played the first period, and he yep. gave up two pretty bad goals. 
the first one, Frank Vitrano kind of got a clean look, put it clean past him. And then it was uh, Nikita Zadorov who loses uh, Maxim Contois in front of the net, kind of, kind of trickled it right under Markstrom's arm. Two pretty soft goals for Markstrom. Uh, made it 2 nothing Anaheim. So Daniel Vladar comes in in the second period. Uh, Toffoli passes across to Manjapani on his strong side, power play goal. And then uh, Jonathan Huberto with a drop pass to Nikita Zadorov with a Ray Bork-esque snipe over Lucas Dostal's glove. Uh, made it 2-2. And Troy Stetcher, point shot from far out. A deflection by uh, n- deadline arrival Nick Ritchie in the high slot. I made it 3-2 Flames. That was all in the first eight minutes of the period or so, uh, in which we really get a glimpse at the incompetence of the Anaheim Ducks. Um, despite that, Anaheim you know, breaks even. Uh, Rasmus Anderson, who did not have such a good week, I thought, especially defensively, uh, loses sight of Frank Vitrano, who recovers a rebound, makes it 3-3. And then Scott Harrington, famously a part of the, the Timo Meyer trade uh, from Anaheim to, no, from San Jose to New Jersey, and then acclaimed by the Ducks, uh, sends a slap shot through a screen, makes it 4-3 Anaheim. Calgary's down again. And then in the third period, who plays hero but Milan Lucic? <laughs> Somehow appearing to like fly in on the wing and, s- <laughs> and snipe so silly. The puck top yeah. shelf with Kevin Shattenkirk somehow unable to defend him well. Um, just wow, I, I didn't realize Kevin Shattenkirk was that slow, or maybe he would just maybe he's just incredibly demoralized and demotivated, which <laughs> I can understand. Yeah, can uh, understand and, then, that, yeah. and then it was Michael Stone with a slap shot right off the face off with two and a half minutes to go. That was the winning goal, 5 4 Calgary. Uh, I've got to say, I would call for Calgary, obviously at this point in the season, an extremely important win, and yet not an inspiring one at all. No, at all, not at all. And it feels like they didn't win because of their own competence. It feels like you know they won because the Ducks really suck so fucking bad, um, especially defensively, where you know they they the Ducks handed them this game. Um, whether it's now it's given Milan Lucic that chance. Um, but just in general, the defensive structure, we've talked about it whenever we watch the Ducks. It feels like we've watched the Ducks too many times at this point this season. And not because we've covered them, but because for some reason they just keep popping up. Um, but whenever we do, it's always the same issue. Like defensively, they're a complete train wreck. Um, and I think analytically, they're also one of the worst defensive teams uh, within this cap era. Um, but even so, like the Flames, you know, whenever you give up, it was very unconvincing. You, you were trailing for like large swaths of the game. And, uh, yeah, it, and then there was one issue that came up in particular. I think it was the the, the Fatrano goal. A bad line change. Like, what's this deal with Calgary and bad line change? And I remember the commentators were talking about it, too, how it's been a se- an issue all season. And it's like, okay, that's – I don't know if I've heard that criticism all season, honestly. For a team to have a recurring problem like that about, about bad line changes, um, that is a that's a red flag on the coaching staff. Um, and this wasn't, the, this wasn't the only time it happened this week. Yeah, um – you know, very interesting. I've heard people talking about the Flames and how there are a lot of stats that point to the fact fact that they've been very unlucky this season. Uh, I think after last night, they are now like tied for third all time in uh, losses in one goal games in a season, losing a lot of close games, and also, of course, they've lost a ton of overtime games. They're tied for first in the league in that department with the uh, San Jose Sharks, um, and yet when I watched them. I kind of, like, it doesn't look like they're being unlucky, you know? It, it, like, the eye test shows, like, yeah, you know, maybe you, you lose a one-goal game to Chicago, for example. 
because like you were you were bad you were basically worse than them and i'm actually i'm looking at the win column right now in the entire league because of all their overtime losses losses they're currently actually sitting uh, at 37 wins and 43 losses if i lump you know regulation and overtime all together and that 37 wins puts them behind nashville buffalo and ottawa and tied with st louis and only one ahead of vancouver yeah that's yikes so this team is completely being buoyed by the loser point. Um, and they don't look like tough luck losers, right? Um, they don't look like, yeah, they're, they're, they're necessarily the better team. Um, I don't think, yeah, like I said earlier, they don't look bad. Um, but it doesn't seem like, you know, you talk about luck, it doesn't seem like they're, you know, making their luck, so to speak. Um, yeah, they just, it's, it's, it's almost mystified. I, I, is it, is it, a, they like, they look for, for large swats too, especially in the Chicago game that we'll get to. They also look very disengaged, um, uninterested. And for a team that's like this in the thick of it, I, I don't know. It, it's uh, I, I there's something going on with the between the years with this whole team. My my idea is that they all hate Daryl Sutter so much, and they're also miserable playing for him that they would rather not make the playoffs. <laughs> get him fired, maybe. Yeah, well, I don't know if they go that even just but... not even just to get him fired, but because playing under him is miserable. So I make more games for us to do that in. Yeah, lower the number of work days in a year. Uh, yeah, to deal with the coach. Yeah, no, I think, I yeah, maybe there's an aspect of that. I think certainly there's there's an aspect, at least to some degree, where you know they he does not strike any sort of passion in the team at this point. Um, yeah, so let's let's get to that Chicago game because that was a major fucking indictment on this team to lose to Chicago when, when you know damn well just how fucking tight it is in the, in the playoff race. Uh, and so, yeah, let's let's begin. Just off the bat, Chicago scores the first goal. Um, Calgary looking completely disinterested. Um, defensively, just kind of standing around. Uh, Athanasiu left with too much time and space. Scores to one nothing. Um, Tyler Toffoli, you know, he surprised me. Shout out to Tyler Toffoli because he looked good this week. So, the one good player you know, on this team. The one good, yeah. There we go. Good for him, and he he bangs in a, a puck in the slot because Seth Jones looking like a motherfucking fool, um, because he had the puck on his stick in front of the net, and I don't know what he was doing. It was like taking a break or something. Um, just sitting there and waiting for Tyler Toffoli to steal the puck and bang it in, uh, tie it up. Nine million dollar man over there. Um, that was that was not the worst play of this period. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of that, so so Zhuzhar Kaira scores to make it two one on a play. This was shockingly poor play by Nazem Kadri. Just two poor plays. Two poor plays. The the worst fucking sequence I've ever seen. So first of all, the Flames have it in the offensive zone. He just he what the hell was that pass? So he 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 loses the puck first of all. Um, you know, he like tries to make some sort of weak pass and, but you know, Chicago can't take control. The puck gets dumped deep into the, uh, the flame zone. Kadri's the, you know, the guy back at the boards and he makes the weirdest fucking play. He has one hand on the stick and he just kind of weakly tries to shovel it around. Boris Kachuk on the four check very, very easily takes it, you know, gets, gets it in front of the net. Kyra's left open. Um... Yeah, and this was not the only this was not the only bad Kadri play of the night that led to a Chicago goal, but this was this was almost bizarre just how fucking terrible it was. Yeah, this this would get you kicked off a beer league team. I have to say, <laughs> yeah, 
This is, <laughs> oh my this, god! The first pa- the pass in the <laughs> offensive zone, which like was not a pass, it was just an I'm gonna leave the puck here for Joey Anderson to take, and then as you mentioned, the one-handed, half-hearted swipe around. Um, and I don't know if you saw after after the game. I think someone asked him about it, and he was like, "Oh yeah, they made a good play, something like that." <laughs> Maybe he had forgotten. Which is something some people say, oh, yeah, you know, players, they don't remember everything. But, like, if you make a play that bad and you're forgetting about it, that's a terrible sign. My God. Yeah. No kidding. How do you... Oh, how are you not completely embarrassed after that, you know? Like, me... <laughs> was he bla- did he black out? Are they all just kind of playing on autopilot? Um, because, yeah, he, he looks completely disinterested. This is this is a play I would expect something someone on Chicago to do, you know? Um, yeah, or just just mail it. He could look like he completely mailed it in. You know, if you haven't watched it, you need to watch it. Um, because yeah, kicked off a beer league team is right because I've never seen someone so fucking disinterested in playing a puck behind their own net. You know, um, just just bizarre. I don't know what the hell's going on? Yeah, I don't know if you noticed on the broadcast. I think they shouted out that Chicago line of Boris Kachuk, Jujar Kara, and Joey Anderson. They're like, well, this they've really been getting stuff done for Chicago lately. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least in that moment, it's kind of true. But you, when you talk about like something you'd expect a uh, a player on Chicago to do, you know, they're I guess at least some parts of their team are kind of trying to embrace this spoiler role, and it's also guys who are you know trying to impress and fight for to like keep a job going into next year. Yeah, exactly. Not a coincidence. All three of those guys super fringe, no? <laughs> yeah, on an NHL roster, so you know they're trying, and uh, yeah, good for them. Um, getting stuff done, allegedly. I wouldn't know. I don't want Chicago play. Um, but uh, <laughs> Calgary tied it up. Noah Hannafin, um, you know, he's, he had a nice little passing play with Blake Coleman after they forced the turnover because Chicago couldn't clear the zone. You know, classic Chicago, looking very inept, as you would expect a tanking team to do when they're bereft of talent. Um, but, you know, Noah Hannafin, another, another shout-out player. He looked pretty decent. Wasn't perfect, but... I thought overall, you know, he contributed well offensively. He looked like he had a good week. Um, and then, you know, Chicago makes it 3-2. So they take out another league lead after here's another Kadri Goldhorns moment. Um, what What is he doing here? What is he doing? He's going the wrong way in the neutral zone, looking completely disengaged with a puck. And, you know, he gets, he gets his pocket picked very, very easily. Um, you know, he just doesn't have his head up. And he's not even really in control of the puck. He's just... Look like someone disconnected his controller. Um, so Athanasiu, yeah, really. And then so you know leads to a two on one. Athanasiu scores with Lucas Reichel, makes it three two. Um, yeah, that just just another another terrible play by Nazem Kadri. Yep. Um, yeah, this is in the third period. Chicago. You know this is when Calgary should really be going. All right. You know we're tied. We're playing this terrible team. Here's where we turn it on. Here's where we go. Pedal to the metal. And instead, it's the other way around. They buckle in. They give up a this goal. Uh, well, Kadri specifically, you know, uh, causes this this two on one. And then a couple of minutes later, it's uh, Austin Wagner who outweights a sliding Mackenzie Weger to make it four two Chicago. Um. So all of a sudden, you no know, Calgary is back back in the hole, as they say. And they get one more goal. Michael Backlund banks a puck off of Ian Mitchell's skate. And there are a few like close calls and scrambles near the end with the goalie out, uh, but they couldn't tie it. Game ends. Uh, actually, notice here the camera like pans right over to the Flames bench and like Daryl Sutter specifically, but you can see a few players. And Trevor Lewis had his like hand with his glove on it over his mouth, kind of like 
like my first impression was like, was he kind of like, was that like his shocked face, his stunned face, like hand over mouth? Like, I can't believe we lost. But then I realized he was actually just removing his mouth guard. <laughs> okay. My guess would have been he's like, I don't know, saying something he doesn't want the camera to pick up or something, you know, like swearing or whatnot. Um, but hey, sometimes it's the simple explanation, right? Um, but yeah, overall, they just look flat and sloppy. And you talk about, yeah, you know, it's a tie game, third period, important game. You would expect them to turn it on. And yet somehow they turned it down um, where, you know, basically the, that, that entire stretch in the third period where they give those two goals, um, they just they just look flat uh, on the on the Wagner goal. Like Rasmus Anderson with one of the worst fucking pinches I've ever seen in my life um, going for that puck in the offensive zone. And it just like squirts by him um, as if he wasn't trying. Just just awful. Bad decisions all around. And they looked completely disengaged. Um, and... Yeah, indictment on the coaching staff, if you ask me. Um, because there's plenty of talent on this team, but they just they just don't look interested. Yeah. And then uh also Jakob Markstrom in this game was uh, rocking an eight twenty six, very notably. Uh not very good. But then comes the key game against the Winnipeg Jets, where Jakob Markstrom looked incredible. Um and uh the Calgary <laughs> won three to one. This is one we we were looking at, like, you know. Of course, you know, the, whoever wins this game is probably going to make the playoffs. And Calgary won this game 3-1, to one, and yet it still looks like they're really in tough because of their losses to Chicago and Vancouver. But anyway, this game starts with a, a Milan Lucic high-sticking double minor um, with the Flames, and they get a shorthanded chance, but they end up giving the first goal yet again. Gave up the first goal uh, in every game this week, um, and the first two goals in a few of them. Uh, it was Ehlers across the ice to Kyle Connor through the seam that was left open, one nothing Jets. Um, then in the second period, uh, Nate Schmidt got a shorthanded breakaway, and Jakob Markstrom does like a pad stack. And this is where I was starting to think, like, oh, I guess Markstrom's kind of like having a good game now. Um, Calgary ended up uh, scoring, but it was called back for a goalie interference. I thought that was a pretty terrible call. Then the game speeds up like crazy. Uh, the Jets almost score on a two on one, then the Flames do score uh, on a on a two on one. Hubert out of Manjapani. 1-1 for real this time. Um, then uh, the, the two other goals in the third period, basically uh, Walker Dewar wraps it around, slams it, and it goes off of Nate Schmidt and in kind of a, a messy goal, garbage goal, some might say. Then Nikita Zadorov takes another uh, uh, rip-roaring wrist shot halfway through the, the period, uh, made it 3-0 Calgary. And this whole time, Markstrom you know, sprawled around, made a few incredible saves, a few massive saves, uh, made one like lying down on Josh Morrissey. Stopped a Nikolai Ehlers breakaway late. And uh, yeah, the Flames end up coming away with this one. And without that victory, uh, they would actually be... Uh, yeah, they would already be mathematically out of a playoff spot had they lost this game in regulation. <laughs> so bizarre. So bizarre because before the before this week, I was saying, you know, I could see Calgary losing this game and still making the playoffs just, just based on how easy that schedule was. And yet, you know, the opposite. They won the game. And it is looking fucking bleak because they couldn't get yeah. that, that that business done. Um, so yeah, a bit of a reversal there. But yeah, I I don't know what it is with Mark Strum. Such a you know he had he had two awful games to start the week against the Ducks and, and the Blackhawks. Um, but then he comes around and he looks incredible uh, against all the Jet stars. He's just you know big save after big save. Um, but yeah, I it, you know this part of me also you know makes me think that okay they got it done against this good team. It kind of supports the whole, like, you know, the coaching isn't there. And so they, he can't get them engaged night in, night out. And the talent's there. They can beat the Jets, you know. I, I, it's not a talent issue. Markstrom can look great on any given night. Um, but it seems to me that 
you know, you look at, you know, bad teams, for example, you lose three times against Chicago, you lose against the Canucks, you almost lose against the Canucks last week. Um, it it seems like some sort of engagement issue. And like I said at the beginning, the talent on this team is there. And it just seems that they, they look disinterested. Yeah, I think, I feel like you're even overestimating the talent on the Flames a little bit. I don't know. I know like the last offseason we were talking about how oh, incredible they managed to, you know, keep everyone around. Of course, Jonathan Huberto put up so many points last year. Um, but I think, you know, Daryl Sutter, there was a grain of truth in what he said a little while ago, which is that like there is no finishing talent on this team. Like Tyler Toffoli is the best goal scorer That's they bad. have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and like losing Matthew Kachuk and Johnny Gaudreau and then the forward, you know, it's replaced with Jonathan Huberto and Nazem Kadri. Like, we can see now, especially, you know, we might be seeing a little bit of a, like, I just signed a contract regression for Hubert Owen Kadri. That things really kind of feel a little bit, uh, uh, like, toned down with them. And, you know, I guess there's a chance maybe they'll, you know, improve, regress back to their better form. They are also both, I think, at least 30 years old. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't, and the Flames don't have such a great prospect pool. I remember at the start of the year we were saying, you know, the time is now for Calgary. They've got to, you know, get the most, the absolute most out of like Huberto, Kadri, Lindholm, all these guys. And it said that they've gotten the absolute least. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think you bring up a good point about the finishing talent because, you know, not only, you know, the Flames have been unlucky in these one goal games, but I think finishing wise, they've been a generally unlucky team in terms of their shooting percentage. But, you know, if you don't have the finishing talent, odds are you'll probably end up on the unlucky side of the spectrum when it comes to goals going into the back of the net. Um, and yeah, that like you you replaced two of your best finishers with guys who are historically not you know the goal scoring finishing type, right? In Huberto and Kadri, and so yeah, what where does that leave you in terms of you know being able to finish? Um, and so you look at it, you know, yeah, they kind of remind me of a shitty Carolina, um, <laughs> yeah, in that sense, you know, where there there just isn't that finishing talent uh, that that's on the roster, um, and you know, Carolina is just flat out a better team, and so they can make it work, and they have made it work, but. You you can see how it kind of falls apart for Calgary here. Yep, um, and I guess we can run quickly through this loss to Vancouver. Uh, it started with uh, Elias Lindholm slamming a puck off the crossbar, Niakka Markstrom stopping a streaking JT Miller. But the first goal of the game was the first career NHL goal for uh, some new college free agent signing named Cole McWard with a shot Dude. from the point. Yeah, then Elias Pettersson scores a short-handed breakaway, and it was two nothing Vancouver after the first. Um, and then it's in the third period. Calgary mounts their comeback. Uh, Elias Lindholm finishes off a passing play with a one-timer goal. That made it 2-1. to one. Then Nazem Kadri uh, gets his, his vengeance, I guess you, some might say. Um, uh, sneaks in behind Kyle Burrows and Tyler Myers and uh, squeaks the puck right by Demko from in close. 2-2. And almost got the overtime winner as well. Kind of got stonewalled by Demko's left pad. The shootout comes. Andre Kuzmenko gets the only goal. Calgary walks away with one point, and they now sit at 90 points, one point behind the Winnipeg Jets, with one extra game having already been played. Things are not looking good for them. No. Um, yeah, that was a fun overtime, though. Uh, that was like a really just like back and forth and back and forth. Um, you know, that was that was certainly very entertaining. And then I saw people talking about like, oh. This is why we should have ten minute overtime. Yeah, sure. That was that was tons of fun. Um, where the first two minutes, kind of slow. Um, but once it got going, 
it 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 really kind of you know the, the the floodgates kind of opened up and so that was a fun overtime to watch um but uh yeah just you know they, they just uh, yet again where you know they, they couldn't really generate any finishing offense and or really any offense at all in this game in particular i felt that you know lindholm had a really good game he had a bunch of chances you know he got robbed a couple times and he hit the post that you mentioned um but other than that you know, for a team, the defensive caliber of Vancouver is just underwhelming when you generate, you know, this quantity of chances um, where it didn't feel like they poured it on against Vancouver. Absolutely. I can't imagine this particular Calgary Flames team pouring anything on anyone, to be totally honest. Yeah, um, that's fair. So I also I want to mention there was another very pivotal game in this race yesterday, Winnipeg and Nashville, and the Jets won 2 nothing. Uh, if they had not won that game then right now we would be looking at uh, Nashville in a playoff spot uh, with Calgary also at 90 points along with Nashville and Winnipeg behind them at 89. Instead, Winnipeg won it. So Nashville is uh, even tougher than Calgary right now. Now I want to say, considering the fact that the Winnipeg Jets are not good, do you still believe Calgary could make this happen? Um, let's, let's look at that schedule. Who do the Jets yes, have? This is the, the Jets. This is the thing. The Jets have a tougher schedule than the Flames. Undoubtedly, they are going up against the San Jose Sharks, the Minnesota Wild, and then the Colorado Avalanche to end things off. Whereas the Calgary Flames are going up against the Nashville Predators and the San Jose Sharks. You know, I think it's very possible, but you asked me to make a prediction right now or what's, what's the deal? Uh, I guess I can say, do you believe? And then I can have you make a prediction. Okay. I, I Like, they can. It's possible. I believe it's possible. Do I believe it's going to happen? No, absolutely not. Uh, what I have seen from the, the Predators, just I have no faith in them even beating the fucking Sharks in the last game of the year. Um, and, you know, I think not enough credit goes to the Predators, their next opponent. Uh, because what they did to even scratch and claw their way back to the point where if they had won against the Jets, they would have been in a really good spot. Um, you know, they beat Vegas. And they beat Carolina. They shut out the Hurricanes uh, in, in kind of, you know, in just a crazy twist. And so I don't have the faith in the Calgary Flames to, to, to make it past the Sharks even, you know, play down to their opposition. Why not? Um, but let alone the Preds. Yeah. See, normally like at this time of year, you know, we look at schedule quite often. Um, and I think it's also something also very important to consider is that playoff teams like Calgary and Minnesota um, – well, I guess maybe it's a little different because, like, for example, like Boston is not jockeying for position anymore. So they kind of, you know, maybe rest their top guys or, you know, some teams probably not, but some teams like take their foot off the gas a bit. Um, and maybe we would see that happen with Colorado and Minnesota as well to the point where those are actually slightly easier competition uh, for the Jets than we might be imagining. So, yeah, I'd say right now I'm going to make a total 180 from last week based on, you know, games that have happened and learning new things, I'd give Calgary a 10% chance of making the playoffs. Yeah, that sounds about right. I think with these teams in particular, I think the Wild and Avalanche, they're both in that same dogfight, right, for, for seeding uh, at the top of the Central. So I don't think they're going to be going easy or anything. But, you know, at this point, they're just I don't have the I don't have faith in the Flames to win uh, enough games to, to, to get past that. I think, honestly, if the Jets win one game, uh, who, their next game against the Sharks, and then get their teeth kicked in by the the, the 
by the uh, the two teams afterwards. I don't I don't trust the Flames to get like what four points. They to, to, yeah, they would or, need to win. Yeah, assuming okay. the Jets beat the Sharks, Calgary would have to win both their last two games against the Sharks and the Predators. So you know, I I say ten percent chance is probably about right. Yeah. Uh, it's because, insane to us. They're like, oh, Calgary winning two games in a row against teams below them in the standings. No, no way, not happening. <laughs> yeah, well, you know that's what happens. Well, you know what, you we had more faith in them in them last week, right? Um, where they yeah. were playing like four teams below them in the standings, <laughs> or three out of four. Um, and look what they did. Look what they did. Exactly. Um, so there we go. We, we have adjusted now that we have watched them play and then their miserable vibes out there in Calgary. Um, so, yeah. And, you know, it's a real shame. I got to say it's a real shame on the, on the point in Nashville that they lost that game because I was really cheering for them against Winnipeg. Um, I just think... Yeah, you know, would have made things so much got, tighter. Yeah, would have made things more tighter. It would have made things tighter. But, you know, even if it means they get their doors blown off in the first round, I think it would have just been interesting to watch Nashville, you know, <laughs> sell everything at the deadline and then manage to crawl their way past these two sh- shitty Canadian teams who, you know, are supposed to be in it to win it. Um, and, and like made acquisitions. Like that. I, th- I just, I just thought that would have been very entertaining. Um, and I thought that was a good, that was a good bit to cheer for, but there's not to be, unfortunately. You know, speaking of Nashville, they actually, I think right now after Pittsburgh have the longest, well, this is what people were saying. And I want to get your opinion on it. Have like the longest playoff streak. Uh, dating back to 2015, they have not missed the playoffs. And Pittsburgh, it dates all the way back to, I want to say, 2007. Sure. Um, but I want to know if you think, because Pittsburgh, and then well, people were saying, oh, if Pittsburgh and Nashville both missed the playoffs this year, then the longest playoff streak goes to the Maple Leafs, uh, who have uh, made it every year since 2017. Um, and I want to know, if you think any of these playoff streaks should actually count, because all three of these teams lost in the qualifying round in the 2020 bubble, so they didn't actually make it to the top 16. Okay, interesting. Uh, it's tough. You know, what? I am going to say. I think they should count. All right, um, for the reason because the the rules got changed on them midway through the season. I feel like that should make a difference. You know, like you went in to that season at the beginning of that season in October, you know, you had to get to be the top 16 after 82 games or whatever. Um, and they were squarely within that. And then to, to, you know, have this playoff series that the bubble or whatnot, you know, a bit of a crapshoot. Well, not necessarily a crapshoot, but it's just like, I'm counting it. That's all I'm saying. I, I think the cutoff was, when they stop the season, that's those are my 16 teams. And I think it's up for debate whether the... What was it? How many teams made it? Yep. So then are you saying that like Montreal, for example, who did win the qualifying round and made it to the top 16, the final 16, did not make the playoffs? I would say there's an argument for that. As stupid as it may sound, because they did, you know. What if one of those teams running. outside the top eight in the conference made it all the way to the conference finals? Yeah, that's that's the thing. That and in that case, that's you know kind of a funky situation. Like you Vancouver know, made say, it to round two, right? All of them made the playoffs. All right, weird season, weird exception. I'll 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 widen the definition of the playoffs to what was it? Twenty four teams. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so twenty four teams. 
This is my okay. one exception. I I will be I will happily be liberal with my uh with my playoff playoff spot allocation and all these streaks because it was just such a strange year. You know what? What do you feel? Um, you know I like that. I like that. That satisfies me. I think that satisfies a lot of people to say just say twenty four teams made the playoffs last year. That I mean that year twenty twenty. Yeah. What I was thinking is let's say let's say the Penguins do make the playoffs this year. I think they have a very impressive streak that is still intact, dating all the way back to 2007, which is 17 years in a row of finishing in the top eight in the conference in the regular season. Not 17 years in a row of making the playoffs because the qualifying round was qualifying for the playoffs, which the Pittsburgh Penguins that year failed to do, as did Nashville, as did Toronto. That's what I say. Okay. All right. So he's, he's going with the stricter interpretation. Um yeah, that's I think it's acceptable. I'm not I'm not uh you know riled up about it either. Yeah, you said you said the not... rules changed in the middle of the year and that's unfair to them. It's like, yeah, sorry, like the rules changed and now the fifth place team in the East has to play the twelfth place team to decide who makes the playoffs. Tough luck, you know? <laughs> yeah, I don't hate that interpretation either, you know? I just personally prefer to say, okay, because it's the COVID, you know, you, you can you can all have this this sort of designation. I think in the future, if they do like the NBA where they had the play in like every single year, then we can really kind of figure it out. We can we can hash it out, and we before the season starts, we can be like, okay, the playoffs is you have to win your playoff play in round, or you know, or by virtue or whatever it is. Maybe you only need to make top eight in your conference. That doesn't really make sense though, actually. Um, but yeah, because the it's worst, the exception, I'll throw it to everybody. Yep. The worst take of this was from Jesse yeah. Blake, which I heard a few days ago. Oh, um, what did he say? He said oh, the, the he said basically like the Penguins in 2020 made the should count as they made the playoffs, but not the Maple Leafs, even though they were both in the top eight in the conference because Pittsburgh was fifth, <laughs> and clearly they were going to make it no matter what. And meanwhile, the Maple Leafs were like in eighth, and it was close, and they it wasn't really sure, and then they lost the qualifying round. Okay, that's that's complete nonsense. I don't know what that guy is <laughs> talking about. You're right. That is the worst take. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no. In that case, there are, uh, what, 15 to, tw- you know, like, what was the deal there? Are there, like, 12 to 24 teams, depending on the year, how many fucking playoff teams we deem to be appropriate? <laughs> um, like, boo. Okay. Yep. So, yeah, well, well, at least we're straying away from that that take. Um, uh, that wouldn't even cross my mind. All right. Um, yeah, so speaking of the Penguins and stuff, the Eastern playoff race, I'm very glad it's staying down super tight all the way to the very end. With three teams fighting for two spots, I, it's very satisfying to me. They all have played exactly eighty games at this point. They're within one point of each other, uh, with the Panthers and Islanders at ninety-one, and the Penguins at ninety. And what's especially fun about this is the Penguins, who are behind the other two, do indeed have the easiest schedule moving forward. So if I had to pick one team, I would place a bet on. Which, by the way, I'm not placing any bets. But if I had to on winning their final two games, it would absolutely be the Penguins who are playing Chicago and Columbus um, because not only are those teams terrible, but Pittsburgh, led especially by Crosby and Malkin, is known to have a bit of a a killer instinct despite the fact they're not the mighty powerhouse they once were. So I'm quite confident um, that Pittsburgh is going to be able to to come away with two wins to close out the season. Hmm. Let me, you know, we see the schedule. Let me look at their recent trends. Let's look at the teams. 
Yeah, here's the, yeah, this the other reason I'm confident yeah. in Pittsburgh uh, is that they've been picking up a little steam lately. Uh, and by lately, I mean like in their past two games. Uh, they beat Minnesota 4-1 and they beat Detroit 5-1. So small sample size, but it looks like they're getting hot at the right time. Yeah, and I think it's reasonable to expect that they would dunk on these shit teams. Um, because yes. I'm looking back at their schedule and their losses have been to generally pretty good teams. I mean, you know, a loss to the Red Wings. Okay, fair enough. That That kind of sucks. But that was like two weeks ago, you know. Lost to the Senators. Yeah, that was three weeks ago at this point. Um, but all the other, all the other games, you know, they 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 handle their business. Um, the Flyers, the the most recent game against the Red Wings, um, and they lost to the Devils and the Bruins. But that's to be expected because this team's not very good. Um, but uh, you know, against teams like Chicago, against teams like Columbus, I don't expect Pittsburgh to pull a Calgary. Um, so I think that's that's a fair expectation. Uh, let's look at the other schedule. I think Florida yeah, has the toughest one by far. They have the Maple Leafs. Yeah, I would like to. Yeah, I would like to talk about this a little bit actually. Yeah, because the the Islanders have upcoming Montreal and Washington, two teams that are not making the playoffs. And Florida, yes, as you say, the toughest schedule. The only one of these three that are playing playoff teams, and they're both playoff teams and good ones: Toronto and Carolina. And this also coincides with the fact that the Panthers are definitely the hottest of the three. They're on a six-game winning streak. Uh, starting uh, right at the point when Keith Kachuk said the Panthers are too soft. They beat the Leafs that night, beat Montreal 5-2, beat Columbus 7-0, beat Buffalo 2-1, beat Ottawa 7-2, and beat Washington 4-2. Uh, so, I mean, it's not like they've been marching through Killer's Row exactly or anything like that, um, but they are clearly, you know, picking up the steam. And it's funny, it's this thing where it's so hard to predict because the hottest team is running into now into the toughest competition uh, and the the team that's behind the others is running into the easiest competition. Um, this is a tough race to predict. Yeah, almost impossible. Because, yeah, like you said, that, that, that schedule that the Panthers have just run through one six in a row, the last five of them, none of them have, them, have been <clears throat> playoff teams, right? Um, so, you know, is it just a mirage? And now they're going against, you know, the, some of the cream of the crop uh, with respect to the league and in, in the Hurricanes and the Leafs. So, you know... Tough to say. Will they continue? You know, I could see them winning the next two games, especially considering you know you look at the Leafs for example. They have they're firmly locked into you know second in, in in the Atlantic. They're facing the Lightning. There's nothing changing about that. The Hurricanes, on the other hand, they're they're really in a kind of dogfight with the Devils, uh, trying to figure out the seating there at the top of the Metro. Um, but so the Maple Leafs, I could see them kind of easing it off. But at the same time, this is a team that probably doesn't want to ease it off in terms of the Maple Leafs, just because you know the vibes there. Not good. Um, and you probably want the best vibes possible heading into the playoffs. Uh, Why aren't the vibes team. good in Toronto? Well, I'm saying, you know, if they, if you lose if you lose heading into the playoffs, this this feels like a team that, you know, they, they've been fine recently. I'm saying, you know, with, with all that media scrutiny, you don't want to be heading into the playoffs looking bad. Um, or it feels like, uh-oh, they're slipping, they're losing momentum, and all of a sudden, you're losing five games to the Lightning. Um, yeah. So... Yeah. Do you have the standings pulled up with goal differential? With let's see. If, uh, wait, wait, don't, I, don't look if you do, if you don't. Okay, I I have goal different, but I don't have like I, it's like a hidden column right now. Um, but okay, so don't look at it because I want to ask you yeah. who's behind Boston for second best goal differential in the league. Um. Okay. Is it? Is it Toronto? No. Uh, Carolina. No. New Jersey. No. Uh, Tampa. No, it's not Tampa Bay. They lost a bunch. No. Um, the Rangers. Nope. <laughs> you. This is for second place. Second place. Um, 
The Oilers. Yeah. A bunch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the Bruins. The Bruins are first in the league with plus one hundred twenty-two, and the Oilers are okay. second with plus sixty-one. <laughs> exactly twice as much. And then, and then the Devils and Rangers are both tied for uh, with plus sixty for third. That's a thing. Okay. Up. Anyway, that's my little digression. I just found that interesting. Anyway, carry on with with uh, the wild card race or whatever you were gonna say. Yeah, you know what? I'll make my prediction right now. I think. I think the Islanders will find a way, and I think the Penguins are gonna choke it. Fuck it, I'm going for it. Oh, I am saying the the, the standings gonna hold as they are right now. I am picking the Panthers and the Islanders. For the wildcard race. You go ahead. Hmm. Alright. So I guess I have to make a make a prediction now, don't I? Please. Alright. Feels a little advised, you know, to pick against the Penguins, but I don't know. I think the Penguins are going to win their last two games. So they're gonna end with ninety four points. I think the Florida Panthers, who you know, uh, have two tough opponents. I think they're going to win one of these games because they are pretty hot, but they are two tough teams. So they'll end with 93 points. I think the Islanders going up against Washington and Montreal, I think they'll split and they'll end with 93 and they'll miss the playoffs. Hello? Where'd you go? Hello? Nope. It just cut out for a second. Yeah. Did you hear my prediction? Uh, I heard up until the Islanders. I didn't hear your Islanders prediction. Oh, all I said was the Islanders are going to split their last two games and tie with the Panthers and lose on the tiebreaker and miss the playoffs. Okay. Interesting. You know what? I'm going to make a very specific prediction about how my thing is going to control. I think they're going to... I think all three teams are going to win out. This is... Wow. This is where wow, I would go. That's I fun. The, Penguin, the Penguins won't choke. I take that back. I retract it. They're going to win their two games. They're going to take care of business. But I think... Well, ending the year on a four-game winning streak and, and missing the playoffs. Yeah, I think that'll be great. You know, it'll be a combined, what, 16-game uh, winning streak between the three teams. Um, <laughs> I think that's great. <laughs> wow. Interesting. This is by far the, the part of the standings that's most interesting to me right now. Oh, also, another interesting part of the of the standings is the very bottom of it. Because things are incredibly tight down there between uh, Columbus, Chicago, and Anaheim. Wow. Okay, I hadn't looked at this in a while. Have um, you not? Yeah, no, Chicago I have not. and Columbus both have 56 points with 79 games played. Anaheim at 57. So things that bottom three could really shake out any which way. And it's been reminded that like uh, the last place team has a much higher chance of the first pick than they have had in recent years because the cumulative odds of like the 12th through 16th best odds uh, all kind of go to the first team because if any of them win the lottery, they can only jump up 10 spots. So there's a lot riding on this. Plus the fact that you by finishing in last, you guarantee a top three pick as opposed to say top four or top five. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I feel like every time I mention the draft lottery, it doesn't make sense that that first team, that first team gets those outsized odds uh, for that first pick. Never has made sense. I don't know how they fucking implement. I don't know why they, they decided to implement that. That's that's so absurd to me. Um, you know, you talk about tanking or not. There's like a there's like a what, twelve percent difference? It's like almost double, right? It's like twenty five percent for the first pick for, for for the very last team to get that first overall pick, and then like I don't know, 12, 15. 
Well, because um, they don't want like they don't want some team that finished in like twentieth in the league to win the first pick. They decided they don't want that after saying they did for five years or so, but not anymore. Right, but you would think you would adjust it, no? Like like proportionally, like and not have it so that all that weight is distributed onto that into that like very last place team so that they have such a big advantage. Yeah, or you would um, think you just okay, so we'll just not include those teams in the lottery at all. Yeah, something like that. Man, it it really baffling baffling to me anyway this brings me to something i really wanted to mention actually on the show yeah uh which is this down goes brown article on the athletic ah. uh, an idea that he did not come up with but apparently a reader sent into him and he thought it was so brilliant that he wrote he wrote an article about it and i think it's brilliant as well you know me i loved the uh lottery format that we had from 2016 to uh to 2020 I thought like, you know, this is great. This is perfect. Why mess with this? And they messed with it. But now on a, and every, like, I hate the gold plan. Most new ideas someone comes up with, I'm like, yeah, but like that old system was better. I, I, I'm not so sure anymore about this one. I think this, I think this is really the way to go. Um, now I'm going to try and find it exactly. So, but basically, okay. So I'll summarize it. So essentially the idea is there is no more lottery. There are no more ping pong balls. The team that finishes in last place in the league gets to draft one team in the playoffs and the order of selection will depend on how far that team goes. So for example, say the Columbus blue jackets finished last in the league this year. And then on the, the playoff team draft order draft or whatever they would call it, Columbus goes, we draft the Boston Bruins. And then basically if Boston wins the Stanley cup, Columbus gets the first pick. If Boston loses the finals, Columbus gets the second pick. And every team that missed the playoffs in reverse standings order drafts the team they think is the best shot at the Stanley Cup. Uh, and this, honestly, I think has no downside. Um, because first of all, uh, it is totally fair. Every team is you know, taking their own destiny in their hands in terms of the draft lottery, which should satisfy those fans of the gold plan. And it puts you know, way more eyes on the Stanley Cup playoffs too. Imagine you know, the Stanley Cup final where the first pick is also on the line. You have, you have twice as many people watching probably right in the middle of June. Um, and then also, you know, there's the drama of like, oh, is this team going to like pick their rival and like endorse their friend or they're going to like make an enemy and then teams will like hold grudges because you didn't pick us because you think we suck or some other dumb shit like that. Uh, and then the, but the, the complaint that's been brought forward is, well, then wouldn't a last place team just send all their best players to like the president's trophy team in order to boost that team's odds at the Stanley Cup and then pick them? And the general response has been, yeah, isn't that great? That's fun. Yeah. That's exciting. <laughs> That's a drama. So, what what do you think? I have a feeling that that you won't be so you won't be sold quite yet. Yeah, you know it's it's good. You know, initially I was like, wow, this is this this creates you know in terms of competitive integrity seems fine to me, um, and that's that's fun and all, and the whole system it creates drama. It's just entertaining. It's fair. And it's great. You bring up that last point that you brought up. I think I don't know if I, I, I that that asterisk makes me kind of hesitate um, because you know sure it adds something to the drama of the the trade deadline I guess it's like oh are you f- like fucking feeding the team that you want to pick you know what never mind yeah I thought about it and the trade deadline happens ahead enough of the of the draft I uh, don't know sorry of the playoffs 
where I don't really think that's a concern because it's too hard to predict that far out um, who's going to do what and whatnot. So, you know what? I see no real issues with it. I'm good with it. I think uh, I, I'm sold. I'm sold. Of I see course, no potential issues. Yep. Of course, as Dan Goes Brown points out, this will never happen. Um, yeah, no, of course not. There's an interesting part of the article. Uh, he cites Dom Decision's model to show that the odds of the Bruins winning the cup, for example, is not that far off from the odds of the last place team winning the draft lottery. And the the odds, like in order, of most to least likely to win the Stanley Cup, 1 through 16, correspond quite closely with the actual lottery odds. So this, this you know, doesn't actually skew much of the current percentages. It just puts it into the team's hands a little bit more firmly. Hmm. And makes it that just that much more interesting. Yeah. Um Yeah. Okay. I can I can I can totally get with this. And then we can stop like really obsessing over the bottom of the standings this much. It'll just be that you know what I mean? Like it's it'll still be interesting. And like, oh who gets who gets the first playoff team pick or whatever. Um, but you know, it'll it'll be much more interesting to see those kind of dynamics play out. So yeah, it's a shame that the NHL is the geriatric league that it is, and will never even attempt or th- think about adopting these these interesting ideas um, because, yeah, you could totally spice up the product and not ruin the competitive integrity, but just add to the entertainment factor while keeping it, you know, still very much a sport. Um, so, yeah, it's, I think it's a great idea. But, you know, it, and I think it really just speaks to the shame that this league is, you know, as slow to move as it is. Yeah, and this also... Adds, of course, the fuel to the fire of the teams who, like, fall in this draft. Like, no one picks Toronto until, like, 12th. And it's like, nobody believed in us, you know? Then you actually have concrete proof that, like, teams believed in other teams ahead of you. And you've you've also, you know, got the angle of, like, uh, you know, teams' fans, like, arguing over who they should pick and who's going to win the Stanley Cup. And then you've got, you know, fans freaking out, like, oh, I can't believe my GM, like, believes in Vegas or whatever, you know? All All this stuff. A whole new, yeah. a whole new side of things, and a whole new angle. Just, just, it's just excellent, excellent shit. And on top of that, you'll increase viewership too. You know, in the playoffs, um, like you mm-hmm. said, you'll have double the fans watching, <laughs> right? Um, you know, yeah. you'll have double the interest. You'll have a vested interest uh, from two teams in, or four teams for every match instead of two. Um, yeah, I, you know, it, it's a shame. Yeah, like I said, they're too thick-headed to appreciate just how great this idea is. And how it could boost them in every single possible way. Um, yep. Is the way I see it. Yep. Uh, oh, well. Maybe maybe one day we can dream. Um, anyway. Yeah. One, one time uh, commissioner of the NHL. Yeah. Yeah. I want to briefly mention the Hobie Baker, which Adam Fantilli won. This was interesting because, I mean, the finalists were Adam Fantilli, Logan Cooley, and Matthew Nyes. And the interesting thing is, like, uh, Logan Cooley was recently suspended for some kind of dangerous hit. Adam Fantilli was suspended uh, for fighting, like basically like throwing, you know, throwing one punch, punch, which can't do in the NCAA. So there are rumors that because one of the like qualifiers for the Hobie Baker is technically like gentlemanly conduct and good guy, that Matthew Nyes, by far the least deserving of the three finalists, was actually <laughs> going to win it. Um, but no, in the end, it goes to Adam Fantilli. Um, at this point, I'm quite comfortable saying he'll be the second overall pick. Uh, he, I think, passed Jack Eichel's record for like uh, most points by an undrafted player in the NCAA, or not yet drafted. I mean, um, essentially, like his uh, 
the year he just had very comparable if not better to Jack Eichel's right before he was drafted this was a an all-timer NCAA season for for someone of his age yeah so good for him and uh you know that I'm, I'm glad they didn't fucking screw around with that gentlemanly conduct bullshit anyways you know it's yeah. uh who cares at the end of the days have a different award for that if you want that no one else will care about the lady bin yeah the 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 lady baker um, oh, just a, do you know what hobie baker is i, I assume it's a person that a, <laughs> i guess it kind of sounds like like it's one letter off from homie baker that would be like the name of a bakery where it's like come on home to the bakery and you gotta get your homemade bakery goods you know all right, let's, let's see. Uh, yeah, it seems as though he's an American athlete. Okay, I'm gonna. Oh, his name is Hobart. Oh, Hobart oh. Amory Hare Hobie Baker, January fifteenth, eighteen ninety two to December twenty first, nineteen eighteen. So he oh he was only twenty six. Uh, American amateur athlete of the twenty first century, considered the first American star in ice hockey by the Hockey Hall of Fame. He was also an accomplished American football player. Ah, very interesting. Let's see. Let's see. Whenever I see that someone died young on Wikipedia, I immediately scroll down to their death. See what happened. Probably the war, no? Hmm? Probably Uh, the war? Oh, yeah. I mean, most likely, but let's let's see. On December 21st, 1980, Baker received orders to return to the United States. Reluctant to leave France and return to his life in America, he decided to take a final flight at his squadron's airfield in Toul. As he went for his own plane, the mechanic brought out a recently repaired one instead, in need of a test flight. The other pilots remonstrated with Baker, but he maintained that as commanding officer, he could not let anyone else test the aircraft. In heavy rain, Baker took off and began to level off at 600 feet. A quarter of a mile into the flight, the engine failed. The plane was generally easy to crash land if necessary, something he had done previously at the cost of a few broken ribs. I don't like where the story is going. Um... Sounds like uh, his plane crashed, nose first. Uh, yeah, he died in the ambulance after crashing a plane in France. Well, then, that's a very unfortunate death. Um, yeah. Well, that's. Well, then. Yeah, t- and today Next. we honor his legacy with a. And say, you know, that, man, that was so. I kind of regret reading that on the podcast now. How do we move on from this? <laughs> I, this is okay. I was back on on Wednesday. I was yeah. doing an oral presentation in my music history class on a, a, sure. a composer named Kurt Vile, and he in 1950 died of a heart attack at the age of 50. And I said that, and I was like, and this is kind of where my presentation ends at, like this the sad point where he dies, you know, like because then nothing he didn't write any more music after that. So actually what mm. I said out loud in my presentation was the end of his life brings me to the end of my presentation. And I tried to wrap things up. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Well then. It's uh that that, that that's certainly an interesting way to to phrase an end of a presentation. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guess let Hobie I, Baker be I, yeah. a, a a lesson for all of us uh to not uh, fly a plane in dangerous conditions. Yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, I guess that's the way to go. You know, you're like, oh, but his legacy lives on and whatnot. Right. Um, and then and then you're like, okay, now we're done. Any questions? Uh, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. Uh, anyways, so yeah, that's who Hobie Baker is. And uh, Adam Fantilli allegedly embodies this man this year in the NCAA. Sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, speaking of NCAA players, we have uh, Luke Hughes. 
who signed with the Devils as they get ready for their playoff push. And he obviously joins his brother, Jack. Any thoughts? Yeah, I have some thoughts. And my I think, basically, the Devils are like not too eager to actually play him, which is odd to me. It's kind of. Cause I, and look at the makeup of the roster. It looked like they had Brendan Smith and Kevin Ball kind of keeping Luke's, Luke Hughes' spot warm for him, for him to show up right now and take over because he's better than both of them. Apparently not. Apparently they kind of just like Kevin Ball. They're like, yeah, you know, Kevin Ball can be in our lineup. Luke Hughes needs to, like, prove himself. Now, if Luke Hughes didn't even get into a single game before the end of the regular season, I'd be shocked um, for them to at least, you know, see what he looks like in the NHL briefly. Um, and I understand, you know, they're a good team. Kevin Ball's like, you know, steady presence or whatever. And maybe Luke Hughes, you're like, oh, you know, he's the, the unknown quantity or whatever. But I mean, his ceiling is clearly so much higher. And I mean, put him in, you know, put him in. Yeah. Are they not putting him in right now? I, I don't think so. Man, because like I understand, you know what? I would understand if they didn't want to put him in in the playoffs, like cold, right? Um, where you know every mistake is kind of amplified. Goals are tough to come by, and if you blow a tire, um, and you give one up, it's hard to claw back. It might cost you the series or whatnot. Um, so but you know, right now, I get the Devils are in a playoff race, but man, uh, you talk about that ceiling. You want to test it out, see if it's you know up to snuff. It's ready to go. This is this is the time to do it. Um, so, you know, strange that they're not putting him in. I would, I would try to give him the max amount of ice time right now. If it doesn't work out, he's not ready. He's not ready. Uh, you just bench him for the playoffs and you put back, you know, Kevin Ball. No big deal. Um, yeah. So I, I don't, I don't see the big, what's the hold up here? Yeah. He very notably, uh, was, could have debuted against Boston last night, but did not. Um, and, uh, here's according to Outkick, uh, which, I mean, they have a gold check mark. On, on Twitter, and their bio says, your antidote to the mainstream sports media, American flag emoji, says, highly touted prospect Luke Hughes is going to be making his NHL debut, but when that will happen is still up in the air. And I suppose that that vague statement is true. Yeah. <laughs> sure. A lot of the, <laughs> that does, gives no details. Um, but how many games do they have left? Two? Three? They probably have three left, eh? I, I, think, it's, I think it's two, actually. Uh, let me. Yeah, they've oh, yeah, got two right. games left. Okay. Well, you know, yeah, you, you got two games to get them in now. Um, unless you want to throw them in game one of the playoffs, and I don't think that's uh, advisable in a game situation. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe it's just a burn a year off his ELC. I don't know how it works. Um, because he's not playing all those games, right? So, eh, don't know what's going on. Yeah, get him trapped. I I got to imagine he'll get into a game. Um, and it was kind of like you know just showed up with the team. Maybe it makes sense, like you know. Maybe they do envision him as part of their top six in the playoffs, but it's like you just got here, practice with us a bit first for you know three days or so, and then you can get up, get onto the ice. That's my fingers are crossed for. Yeah, that oh, would be fun to watch. Um, all right, so that's the Luke Hughes news. Yeah, one. another NCAA player is probably very close to signing with his team, which is Matthew Nyes with the Maple Leafs. Uh, and in order to make it happen, they had to squeeze the cap so hard that uh, e-bug Jet Alexander actually signed an amateur tryout and was the official backup goalie Toronto's game last night against Montreal. And since Toronto was winning 7-1, to Jet Alexander came in for 70 seconds, didn't give up a single goal, played his, you know, big moment in the NHL, 
And this is a feel-good story for everyone except for Chris Weidman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chris Weidman, when asked about how he felt about this whole this whole great Jet Alexander moment, this motherfucker is like, uh, I don't remember the exact quote, but the, the, the big kicker of a line uh, was that he was like, they'll, they'll get what they deserve in a couple weeks. Yeah. Man. What a little baby Chris Weidman is being is really the takeaway here. Um, if you he, don't want them to play, yeah, go ahead. Okay, I get, I get, yeah, I get that whole he's kind of a baby thing. If he authentically believes this and was insulted by it, then I would call him a big baby. I could also see this as being, you know, you're near the bottom of the league, you're on an irrelevant team, you know, and this is him kind of trying to, you know, uh, I guess make a make a stake in like make the Habs kind of have an impact on the Leafs in a way because you know all if anything happens except for the Leafs winning the Stanley Cup then Chris Weidman can go see I told you they'd lose you know like, <laughs> right and then all of a sudden it's like oh Chris Weidman and the Habs totally got you Maple Leafs they were so right about you that's your karma for playing Jed Alexander you know that type of thing um, and you know there's kind of some subset who's like yeah disrespectful or whatever and they're like extremely small group of fans i think who would who would call playing jet alexander at this point uh disrespectful um but andrew berkshire made a good point which is that uh teams should be disrespectful to one another and you know not in you know some some uh ridiculously offensive way but if you find you know playing jet alexander offensive and like the other team is like how dare you do this to us it's like yeah more of that you know running run up the scoreboard but at your top power play unit when you're when you're beating us 7-1, you know, that type of thing. That type of disrespect. That type of uh that type of thing kind of stokes the the flame of animosity between teams. There should be more of it. Then I honestly, I think this Chris Weidman quote, they'll get what they deserve in a few weeks, did uh has the potential to ignite the Habs least rivalry much more than playing Jed Alexander for 70 seconds. <laughs> yeah, on that point, it makes it interesting, and that's fine. And I, I really do appreciate the theory of Chris Weidman is playing the long con in terms of being an anti, like a Leafs anti, and he's just trying to like fucking undermine them in the public and trying to, uh, you know, get in their just heads. amp up the pressure. Yeah, get in their heads, you know, and like, oh, you know, they, they, that whole karma vibe because, you know, God knows the Leafs, you know, they need more of that uh, in their heads. Um, but I, I find it hard to believe you know, is the thing i would love i would love for that to be true um you know chris weidman is a mad genius he's a pr god and he knows exactly what he's doing uh in terms of you know ranking ramping up the pressure as as a Habs player on the least fan even though the abs are way out of it but i just think he's a big baby is what i think it is i think he feels disrespected he feels as though they did something they broke the fucking unwritten code or whatever the fuck uh and he's legitimately upset about you know losing seven one and they play their goalie, you know, and, and <laughs> like you know to which goalie. you would, say, yeah, to, to which they say to which you would say you know don't be in a position where you're fucking losing seven to one and the opposition feels comfortable enough to play their goalie. Um, you know if you were close, you would love for you know if it was a two one game, you would love for them to play Jet Alexander for the last seventy seconds because maybe you'll yeah. have a fucking chance to tie it. Um, so maybe you should put yourself in a better position to, next time to do that. Um, so. But I, I still think Chris Weidman is of the view that, uh, you know, he feels he feels slighted. He feels actually upset. Um, and he feels disrespected, uh, even though that was clearly not the intention of the Leafs. Just let him have his fucking moment. Uh, I don't know why Chris Weidman has to make this whole deal about him. And I think that's what he's doing. 
I would love nothing more than for this court to become like the big story following the Leafs around throughout the playoffs. That at every turn, that's all everyone's talking about on Sportsnet and asking the players like, "What do you think about Chris Weidman's quote from like three weeks ago?" And then this all is, of a sudden, and this is where all the pressure is coming from. Like, what we'll get we we deserve? Do we really deserve to lose? And that's the new like karma ghost situation surrounding the Leafs. It's the new curse, the curse of Jed Alexander. Okay. Yes, this is. I'm sure this this will manifest itself. Um, but yeah, I, I I hope so. And this is Chris Weidman's way of of leveraging himself into relevance. Um, that's that's good for him too. You know, go go, Chris. Yeah. All right. Well, I think it's just about time for our draft. Yep. Would you Would you agree? Would you agree with yeah, that? Yeah, I would statement? agree. All I right. Want to so introduce we our topic. This, yeah, we're gonna draft fast food. Um. Now, I hope we don't run into a situation like last week where we where we define this too loosely to the point where we end up fighting over what actually counts as fast food. Um, but I think we should be safe. Do you have any kind of like uncertainties? Uh, let me see. Um, here's, okay, here's what Any place where you go and you're like, I'm getting for takeout and it's not weird that you're getting for takeout. It's like they like expect there's like a, at least a 50% chance you'll be taking the food out. That's fast food. That's what I think. Okay. All right. And what is, is it like? Are we doing like a, like a Starbucks, for example, like a drinks place? Ooh, does Starbucks count as fast food? Yeah, I think that counts. Starbucks counts. Okay. What about dessert places? Ooh, like Dairy Queen. I think Dairy sure. Queen also counts as fast food. I do. Okay. All right. Just 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 we have that clear. Um, okay. I I have done... I think I've done the least possible prep than I have, you know, for this draft than I have, like less than the other drafts. So, you know, I, and also I have, I'm not a fast food connoisseur. I really don't oh, know much about it. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you could be worse off than Travis Yost. I think we would both demolish Travis Yost. This, you remember that, wow, right? What was his take? I don't remember. Oh, Travis Yost, he was famous for like, even outside of the hockey community, he would get quote tweeted and dunked on for his fast food takes by like famous comedians and stuff. He was talking about how great Burger King is and like whatever else. Okay, interesting. All right, well, we'll see. Maybe you never know. Maybe I'll be the Travis Yost of fast food takes. (laughs) (laughs) That's already Travis Yost. (laughs) Yeah, well, they'll be the second one. All right. Um, I won the last draft, I believe. So Uh, yes, you certainly did. Please. Um. So it's it's your turn to. What's your favorite fast food place? Please. All right. Uh, I'm looking up on the top10s.com, the top 10 fast food restaurants to get some inspiration. Mm, Mm. All right. You know, I feel like there's an obvious choice, and that's going to be mine. It's going to be Subway. Subway is the best fast food. Um, First of all, uh, it tastes really good. And it's delicious. And they got, you know, their combos and cookies and chips and all that and the drinks and the sandwiches. And, you know, you make it yourself and decide what goes on. And you can, and, you know, it's definitely not as unhealthy as some of these other options. Now you can throw on some veggies. You sit down with your sandwich. You know, you eat it and it tastes good. And uh, I guess that's that's all you want out of your food, right? You want to eat it and it tastes good. And there you have it. That's Subway. Okay. Subway. Um... I don't know. Their sandwiches are like pretty mediocre, no? That's I a lie. Find, I think I can make a better sandwich uh, than a Subway sandwich. Um, 
Yeah. I don't know. It's like, yeah, what the fuck is going on there, huh? What, what, what kind of, do they have like a pepperoni sandwich? Like, I can make a pepperoni sandwich. I'm not cooking anything. It's just like toast some bread, put some lettuce on there. Anyways, feels very replaceable. You know, meanwhile, I'll be taking uh, McDonald's. Classic. Wow, really? Yeah, first pick. You know, people love it. Maybe they don't love to love it, but they do. Allegedly. That's why it's so fucking popular. Um, you know, who doesn't love their fries? And I can't... It's not as easy to cook a sandwich... To, to Sorry, to cook a burger than it is to make a sandwich. So... That's, that's what it is. Wow. That's what it is. Um, yeah. Personally, I'm very glad you took McDonald's with that pick because it allows me to take the fast food restaurant, which is similar but better in every way, that being Wendy's. Wendy's, okay. we've got uh, better burgers to McDonald's, better fries by far to McDonald's, uh, and also, I mean, they got their famous Frosties, you know, which is better than McDonald's, just regular old ice cream. Wendy's is just McDonald's improved. So I can't believe you took I- McDonald's instead of that one. I can't comment. Uh, I've never been to a Wendy's, so but what, I can only really? assume the worst things. Yeah, because you. Why? Think, so. <laughs> because because that's the position I'm put in in, in this current uh, draft. Ah, um, yeah. Uh, so I assume it's disgusting. It's terrible. They don't. They burn everything. It's just awful. <laughs> they don't. They don't know how to make a good fucking burger. Man. Slander it's and Wendy's. lies. Yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, I think I'm a certified expert, so I would know. All right. Uh, I, you know, I'm surprised. I am very shocked you have not taken this place because, you know, there's fast food. There's a whole big subset of fast food that everybody loves. It's pizza. All right. And there is one pizza spot that's better than the rest. And it's head and shoulders better than the rest. Domino's fucking pizza. Um, yeah. What's not the love? It's, it's by far the best takeout pizza place, fast food pizza place. Um, and yeah, it's fast. They have their beautiful website. Um, where you can check like when you're ordering, like oh, you know, this much time. Website. Oh, I love this fast food place. They have such a good website. Well, they do, and their food rocks. You know, they have. The, oh, I already mentioned the quality of their pizza, but they got that shit fucking figured out with the, uh, you know, the the how when's it ready and all that. You know, it's in the oven. It's all like automated and shit. Domino's, fuck with it. All right, yeah, Domino's pretty good. Can't lie. Um, Thank but you. I was actually surprised. You didn't take Tim Hortons, which is what I'm going to take. Oh, God. That place sucks. Tim Hortons. Canadian classic. Who doesn't oh, shut love the fuck up? <laughs> oh, first of all, I do unironically love, first of all, their breakfast sandwiches. Whenever, it's like, whenever I get their breakfast sandwiches, special occasion. Great day. Um, I mean, who doesn't love Timbits? You know, they're incredible. The chocolate chip muffins. Actually, all their muffins, really. Donuts. Incredible stuff. Better than Dunkin'. IMHO. Actually, uh, back in September, I had uh, some American friends who came out to Canada, tried Tim Hortons for the first time, tried the Timbits, tried some other stuff. Special memory. They all thought it was incredible. So this is clearly not just a Canadian Stockholm Syndrome thing. Tim Hortons, they make some good stuff. No, they really don't. It, uh, everything is beyond disgusting at that place. Uh, all the food, you know, the Timbits, have, the donuts have completely collapsed in quality over the years. They're just they're disgusting. Okay, they're Oh, and, back when I was a kid, it was so much better. Yeah. And honestly, it was. And the Timbits, you know, I've grown to, to kind of hate them. You know, they're they're stale. What? And when, you know, they're obviously the classic, like, oh, even you know. Even the birthday cur- cake oh, ones. I have, uh, yeah, even the birthday cake ones. The birthday cake oh. ones don't taste good. And, oh, by so the way, people come around. just signed. Well, okay. That's that's fun. There's, there's some breaking news for you. Um, Not a surprise. 
But uh, yeah, what was I saying? But you, this is your way of throwing me under the bus. You you hit me with the Matthew Nyes while I'm railing on Tim Hortons. Um, but yeah, Timbits. That's what I was talking about. And it's like you know, people. It's like the classic snack. Like oh, you know, uh, it's the last day of class. I bought some Timbits, and I'm like, oh, are you fucking kidding me? That's just disgusting. <laughs> oh, like, dude, get the hell out of here. Doesn't like Timbits. I it's always like, opt it's out. The most, it's, opt the, out. it's the easiest little tasty snack everyone loves. No, it's the it's the easiest, laziest, not so tasty, stale piece of toast that uh, I've ever experienced. Anyways, um, it's no good. Tim Hortons. There's there's no redeeming quality about Tim Hortons. Um, and, wow. Uh, Wrong. Yeah, that's right. No no redeeming food about Tim Hortons either. Um, okay. Next up, I will be selecting. Hmm. Tough choice. Tough choice. KFC, why not? Another classic. Ugh. Love the chicken. Gross. Fried chicken. Who doesn't love that's, fried chicken? That's, so, that's gross. Yeah, I you know what? It's good. Chicken. That's why. I think fried chicken just isn't good. Okay, that's a terrible take. That, that, that's awful. You know, I'll keep that in mind for future food drafts. I will save the chicken for last. Because fried chicken's great. Who doesn't love fried chicken? Me. You're honestly the first person I've ever met that, that doesn't like fried chicken. KFC that's bad. It's not good. Okay. Go for it. Thank you. You know what is good? You know what is good? A and W. Okay, A W rules. Good burgers. You know what stands good for? fries. What What does A W stand for, Mister Smarty Pants? Well, 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 it stands for awful and worse. It, it, it screams no, you right in the face. You know, like for, I see A and W. Awful it and for worse. Amazing, no, it stands for amazing and wonderful. How do you not know this? No, delusional. Yes. Um, amazing actually, I want to know what it actually stands for. I actually can't tell. I don't. I don't know what it is. Okay, yeah, I, I, I think it's like the two guys who created it's like Arthur and William oh, okay. or something. I, I don't know, yeah. something like that. But yeah, let me look that up um, before I talk about why I made such a great pick with A and W. All right, A and W um, is what does A and W stand for? Uh, Allen and Wright, like the last names of the two guys. Um, yeah, that's what it is. Well, but you know, what? Jake Allen my, and Shane Wright. My my interpretation is much more accurate because my two words were you know, accurate with respect to the number of syllables uh, in their names. So I just want to put that out there. Well, who cares about syllables? This is a, a fast hey. food draft, not a syllable <laughs> accuracy okay. draft. Anyway, A&W, um, as I mentioned, you know, excellent burgers, excellent fries. But honestly, I think A&W has some of the best apple juice I've had in my life. You know, with every wow, fast really? food place, you want to go like, what's the special thing? You know, what sets them apart? You know, with Wendy's, incredible fries. With Subway, you know, that, that was those beautiful meatballs on the meatball sub. You know, Tim Orens has the best breakfast sandwiches with A&W. Every time I go there, I get the apple juice to drink. It soothes the soul right along with the, the brilliant burger and fries. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard to complain. Okay. Well, is, is it like a – how does their – what does their apple juice come in? Like, is it like a Minute Maid? Like, what's the deal? I'm just it usually it, it comes in like a beer mug kind of type of thing, like a hefty oh. mug. It's a hefty thing, like a glass. Like the, it's like so it's like their house brand apple juice. Uh, I I don't know where it comes from, but it comes in a, like a glass mug. Okay, well that's very interesting. Um, you know A and W, like I said, awful and worst. Their root beer is overrated. There's nothing going on there. Um, all right, next pick. Who do I who do I have here? Hmm. Let's go with the dessert. Let's go with uh, Dairy Queen because uh, it's the it's the classic place. You know, uh, it's the summer. You're out with your friends. 
like, oh, what do we want to eat? Well, we don't want to eat a meal. Well, let's go for some. Let's go for a snack. Oh, let's go to Dairy Queen because it's got the best fucking ice cream. Um, it's got. A, I've never had a Blizzard or anything like that, but everyone I've heard says they're great. Everybody loves the Blizzard. What I go for is a vanilla cone dipped in the chocolate. Always works for me. Um, very simple, but that's that they do it right. And so no complaints about Dairy Queen. Well, you picked a place whose main big thing is ice cream and whose ice cream is still not as good as Wendy's ice cream. Impressive. Okay. I'm going to take... That's completely incorrect. Yep. I'm going to take... Uh, hmm, what do I want to take? I'm thinking. A lot of these places, I'm looking at like some lists I've like never been to or they're only in like the U.S. Um, hmm, it's tough. I'm thinking. I'm looking. Take pizza pizza, huh? No, I'm going to take pizza pizza. Don't be insane. Yeah. I'm going to take Papa John's. No, I'm kidding. I'm not taking Papa John's. (laughs) You don't have any pizza equity right now. I'm killing you in that respect. Yeah, well, that's okay, you know, because I've got other stuff that you don't have, like Subway, Wendy's, Tim Warren's, and A&W. And take another burger place. Taking Five Guys Burgers and Fries. Okay. Five Guys. we got great burgers. we got great fries. Uh, and honestly, sitting in there is a very cool vibe as well. Um, you know, they've got good stuff. You eat it, tastes good, feels good, warms the heart and soul. And there you have it. Five guys. Yeah. That's unfortunate. That's a good spot. I was going to take yeah, it. Yeah, sure is. You know? Oh, were I, you I, actually? I respect, yeah, I actually was. Uh, it's, uh, I, res- I respect that pick. Yeah. Um, next, I will be taking a Quebec special. Because fucking, I don't know where else to go. Uh, I'll be taking La Belle Provence. Oh, interesting. Yeah, regional pick. But uh, yeah, they got good food. Good food. I think, is that there where I got that smoked meat sandwich? Like, you know, like after school, you know, good meal. I got poutine and everything. Uh, There's my spot. All right. My last pick. I'm going to take the ice cream place that is better than Dairy Queen. As far as I know, there's only one of these in existence in Point Claire oh. Village. It's oh, called God. Wild Willie's Ice Cream. Jesus fuck. Okay, to, yeah. To my, Wild to, my West, Willies. to my West Island yeah. friends, you know what I'm talking about. Everyone on the West Island, you know Wild Willie's. Summertime, you want ice cream? Sure, there's a Dairy Queen that's like a 10-minute walk. Very often, it's more than worth the venture to take a drive down to Point Claire Village right near Lac St. Louis. Wait in line for Wild Willie's. Get their beautiful sweet ice cream. Take a nice... Walk by the water, sit sit on the grass, sit on the bench, park bench, enjoy your wild willies. Much better than some big Dairy Queen chain could ever offer you. Wrong, wrong. Never even heard of wild willies. Well, that's because you're not a West Island kid. Yeah, well, you know it's too niche. You know, if if they were really good, they would have expanded. That's 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 (laughs) that's the that's the truth. (laughs) Um, Okay, now. I, I will be honest, I am really struggling here, because um, I don't know what the fuck to take. It's a tough one, and you know what? I suspect that you were in a similar spot because you took Wild Willies, but so I don't feel so bad about this. But uh, it's it's tough. It's it's, it's funny because like we're, we're, I, there's no shortage of fast food places that are very famous, but like you don't want to draft Burger King, you don't want to draft like uh, Chick Fil A. 
TikTok Bell. No exactly. Yeah. Like a bunch of these are like famous for like no one likes them. That's right. So th- there are some real like liabilities, like some sub sub replacement level fucking yeah. uh, <laughs> joints. Um, it's it's hard. But I'll take Starbucks. Oh, you know? I knew you were gonna say. Oh, no way! You took Starbucks. Oh, no wow! Way. You get the hell out of here. Um, oh, you're ridiculous. You. I don't even have to everyone. That's self-evidently terrible. Everyone. What do you mean? It's so popular. Why do you think it's so popular? People love it. No, it's bad. Pumpkin though. It's spice for life. It's a joke. It's not a joke. Starbucks get is out a of joke. Here. Okay. Tell that to the billions and billions of happy people. Tens of billions of happy people. Drinking Tens Starbucks of billions? Of That's people. right. Tens of billions of people happy to be drinking Starbucks. Hmm. Or, I, I gladly would. Of testimonials. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, go go out and talk to someone in the street. They'll be like, wow, I represent one of the 20 billion people who love Starbucks. Yeah. Um, All right. So just to run well, through yeah. on this list on the top10s.com, here are some places that neither one of us drafted. Perhaps okay, even please. avoided like the plague. Burger yeah. King, Taco Bell, nope. Pizza Hut, Chick-fil-A, uh, In-N-Out Burger, which we don't really have in Canada, Sonic, Chipotle, Arby's, Panera Bread, Jack in the Box, <laughs> Popeye's, Whataburger, um, Dunkin' Donuts, Buffalo Wild Wings, Panda Express, Steak and Shake. Those are a few. I can't say I'm too upset we missed any of those, you know? I'm not like, oh, damn, I really didn't think of Chick-fil-A. What an upsetting time, you know? Yeah, the one that I uh, was thinking of was like, oh, Panera Bread is like pretty good. And, and I know that like in the States, it's like, it's a very kind of like overpriced type of place with really good sandwiches. But, you know, who cares? Oh, well, there you have it. Did you, I'll, I'll run through the list. Um, yeah, go for it. Of the two teams. So you drafted Subway, Wendy's, Tim Hortons. Awful and Worst, Five Guys, and Wild Willies. Uh, and I drafted McDonald's, Domino's Pizza, KFC, Dairy Queen, La Belle Province, and Starbucks. And I wholeheartedly, honestly think I shit kicked you in this draft. You know, the we'll see. I honestly have no <laughs> gauge on how I did. So I, I can't say, you know, I'm not going to... F- like fervently defend my team um because you know i don't have the utmost faith in it but you know wow. i might be right yeah. i say does not believe in his own team i should tell you all okay. you need to know listeners no i think you should don't be a sheep don't let him manipulate you <laughs> gaslight you into believing that i don't believe in my team no, no 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 look at the team see that my team my my, my restaurants are better my rest my fine dining experiences are inherently better quality just saying Okay, sure. You know, I'm so confident in my team. I feel like I barely need to defend it with my words. That's what I'll say. Um, All right. right. Well, thanks for listening to Fusion and Hockey Podcast this week. I'm thinking we don't pick a team this week uh, because next week, regular season will be over. We'll be diving into our playoff predictions, our full brackets. We've been teasing for months where we're leaning, maybe leaning this way, maybe leaning that way. Next week, we will be committing each of us. We will have we will have no choice but to do so. Right. So look forward yep. to that. Um, yeah. So follow the podcast on Instagram at Fusion and Hockey Podcast. Uh, have a uh, a pleasant week, and yeah, see you soon. The end. Yeah.